Hello my dear students of class 12th. Here I am with the chapter 2 Sexual Reproduction in Flowering Plants. This chapter we will discuss in two parts. The first part we will deal with the introduction till pollination and the second part will start from agents of pollination till the end of the chapter. So we begin. Are we not lucky that plants reproduce sexually? The myriads of flowers that we enjoy gazing at, the scents and the perfumes that we soon over, the rich color that attract us are all there as an aid to sexual production. Flowers do not exist only for us to be used for our own selfishness. All flowering plants show sexual reproduction. A look at the diversity of structures of the inflorescence, the flowers and the floral parts shows an amazing range of adaptations to ensure formation at the end products of sexual reproduction, the fruits and the seeds. In this chapter, let us understand the morphology, structure and the processes of sexual reproduction in flowering plants. that is the angiosperms flower a fascinating organ of angiosperms human beings have had an intimate relationship with the flower since time immemorial flowers are objects of aesthetic ornamental social religious and cultural value they have always been used as symbols for conveying important human feelings such as love affection happiness grief mourning etc list at least five flowers of ornamental value that are commonly cultivated at home and in gardens find out the names of the five more flowers that are used in social and cultural celebrations in your family have you heard of floriculture what is it referred to to a biologist flowers are morphological and embryological marvels and the sites of sexual reproduction in class 11th you have read the various parts of the flower in the figure 2.1 will help you recall the parts of the typical flower can you name the two parts of the flower in which the two most important units of sexual reproduction develop pre-fertilization structures and events much before the actual flower is seen on a plant the decision that the plant is going to flower has taken place several hormonal and structural changes are initiated which lead to the differentiation and further development of the floral primordium inflorescences are formed which bear the floral buds and then the flowers in the flower the male and the female reproductive structures the andrisium and the gynesium differentiate and develop you will recollect that the andrisium consists of a whorl of stamens representing the male reproductive organ and the gynesium represents the female reproductive organ stamen microsporangium and pollen grain the figure 2.2a shows the two parts of a typical stamen the long and slender stalk called the filament 
and the terminal generally bilobed structure called the anther. The proximal end of the filament is attached to the thalamus or the petal of the flower. The number and length of the stamens are variable in flowers of different species. If you were to collect a stamen each from 10 flowers, each from different species and arrange them on a slide, you would be able to appreciate the large variation in size seen in nature. Careful observation of each stamen under the dissecting microscope making neat diagram would elucidate the range in shape and attachment of anthers in different flowers. A typical angiosperm anther is bilobed with each lobe having two theca so it is called dithecus. Often a longitudinal groove runs lengthwise separating the theca. Let us understand the various types of tissues and their organizations in the transverse section of an anther. The bilobed nature of an anther is very distinct in the transverse section of the anther. The anther is a four-sided tetragonal structure consisting of four microsporangia located at the corners two in each lobe. The microsporangia develop further and become pollen sacs. They extend longitudinally all through the length of an anther and are packed with pollen grains. The structure of microsporangium. In a transverse section, a typical microsporangium appears near the circular in outline. It is generally surrounded by four walls: the epidermis, endothecium, middle layer and tapetum. The outer three wall layers perform the function of protection and help in the dehiscence of anther to release the pollen. The innermost wall layer is the tapetum. It nourishes the developing pollen grains. Cells of the tapetum possess dense cytoplasm and generally have more than one nucleus. Can you think of how tapetal cells could become binucleate? When the anther is young, a group of compactly arranged homogeneous cells called the sporangial tissue occupies the center of each microsporangium. Microsporogenesis As the anther develops and the cells of the sporogenous tissue undergo meiotic division to form microspore tetrads, what would be the ploidy of the cells of the tetrad? As each cell of the sporogenous tissue is capable to give rise to microspore tetrad, each one is a potential pollen or microspore mother cell. The process of formation of microspores from a pollen mother cell which we call it as PMC through meiosis is called microsporogenesis the microspores as they are formed are arranged in a cluster of four cells the microspore tetrad as the anthers mature and dehydrate the microscopes disassociate from each other and develop into pollen grains inside each microsporangium Several thousands of microspores or the pollen grains are formed that are released with the dehiscence of anther. Pollen grains. The pollen grains represent the male gametophytes. If you touch the open anther of hibiscus, 
or any other flower you would find deposition of yellowish powder pollen grains on your fingers sprinkle this grains on a drop of water taken in a glass slide and observe under a microscope you will really be amazed at the variety of architecture sizes shapes colors design seen on the pollen grains from the different species pollen grains are generally spherical measuring about 20 to 50 micrometers in diameter it has a prominent two layer wall the hard outer layer called the exine is made up of sporopollenin which is one of the most resistant organic material known it can withstand high temperature and strong acids and alkalis no enzyme that degrades sporopollenin is so far known pollen grain exine has a prominent aperture called the germ spores where sporopollenin is absent pollen grains are well preserved as fossils because of the presence of sporopollenin The exine exhibits a fantastic and fascinating array of patterns and designs. Why do you think the exine should be hard? What is the function of the germ pore? The inner wall of the pollen grain is called intine. It is a thin and continuous layer made up of cellulose and pectin. The cytoplasm of pollen grain is surrounded by plasma membrane. When the pollen grain is matured it contains two cells the vegetative cell and the generative cell the vegetative cell is bigger and has abundant food reserve and a large irregularly shaped nucleus whereas the generative cell is small and floats in the cytoplasm of the vegetative cell it is spindle shaped with dense cytoplasm and a nucleus in over 60% of the angiosperms Pollen grains are shed at this two-celled stage. In the remaining species, the generative cells divides mitotically to give rise to two male gametes before pollen grains are shed. That is a three-cell stage. Pollen grains of many species cause severe allergies and bronchial afflictions in some people, often leading to chronic respiratory disorders like asthma, bronchitis, etc. It may be mentioned that parthenium or the carrot grass that came to India as a contaminant with the imported wheat has become ubiquitous in occurrence and cause pollen allergy. Pollen grains are rich in nutrients. It has become a fashion in the recent years to use pollen tablets as food supplements. In western countries A large number of pollen products in the form of tablets and syrups are available in the market. Pollen conception has been claimed to increase the performance of athletes and the race horses. When once they are shed, pollen grains have to land on the stigma before they lose the viability if they have to bring about fertilization. How do you think the pollen grains retain the viability? The period for which pollen grains remain viable is highly variable and to some extent depends on the prevailing temperature and humidity. In some cereals such as rice and wheat, pollen grains lose viability within 30 minutes of their release. And in some members of the Rosaceae, Leguminosae and Solaceae, 
they maintain viability for months you may have heard of storing semen or sperms of many animals including humans for artificial insemination it is possible to store pollen grains of large number of species for years in liquid nitrogen at minus 196 degrees celsius such stored pollen can be used as pollen banks similar to seed banks in crop breeding programs the pistil the megasporangium the ovule and the embryo sac the gynaecium represent the female reproductive part of the flower the gynaecium may consist of a single pistil then it's called monocarpellary or may have more than one pistil it is called multicarpellary when there are more than one pistils may be fused together it is called syncarpus or may be free it is called apocarpus each pistil has three parts the stigma style and ovary the stigma serves as a landing platform for pollen grains the style is a elongated slender part beneath the stigma the basal bulge part of the pistil is the ovary inside the ovary is the ovarian cavity the placenta is located inside the ovarian cavity recall the definition and the types of placenta that you studied in class 11th arising from the placenta are the megasporangia commonly called ovules the number of ovules in an ovary may be one as in case of wheat paddy and mango or it can be many as in case of papaya watermelon orchids the megasporangium or the ovule let us familiarize ourselves with the structure of a typical angiosperm ovule the ovule is a small structure attached to the placenta by means of a stalk called funicle the body of the ovule fuses with the funicle in the region called hilum this hilum represents the junction between the ovule and the funicle each ovule has one or two protective envelopes called integuments integuments encircle the nucleus except at the tip where a small opening called the micropyle is organized opposite the micropylar end is the chalaza representing the basal part of the ovule enclosed within the integuments is a mass of cells called nucellus cells of the nucellus have abundant reserve food materials located in the nucellus is the embryo sac or the female gametophyte an ovule generally has a single embryo sac formed from a megaspore megasporogenesis the process of formation of megaspore from the megaspore mother cell is called megaspore sporogenesis ovules generally differentiate a single megaspore mother cells called as mmc in the micropylar region of the nucellus it is a large cell containing dense cytoplasm and a prominent nucleus the mmc undergoes meiotic division what is the importance of mmc undergoing meiosis meiosis results in the production of four megaspores the female gametophyte in a majority of the flowering plants one of the megaspore is functional while the other three degenerate only the functional megaspore develops into female gametophyte or the embryo sac This method of embryo sac formation from a single megaspore is termed as monosporic development. What will be the ploidy of the cells of the nucellus 
MMC, the functional megaspore and the female gametophyte. Let us study the formation of embryo sac in a little more detail. The nucleus of the functional megaspore divides mitotically to form two nuclei which move into the opposite poles. Forming the two nucleate embryo sac, two more sequential mitotic nuclear divisions result in the formation of a four nucleate and later the eight nucleate stages of the embryo sac. It is of course interest to know that these mitotic divisions are strictly free nuclear that is nuclear divisions are not followed immediately by cell wall formation after the eight nuclear stage the cell walls are laid down leading to the organization of the typical female gametophyte or the embryo sac observe the distribution of the cells inside the embryo sac six of the eight nuclei are surrounded by cell walls and organized into cells the remaining two nuclei called the polar nuclei are situated below the egg apparatus in the large central cell there is a characteristic distribution of the cells within the embryo sac three cells are grouped together at the micropylar end and constitute the egg apparatus the egg apparatus in turn consists of two synergids and one egg cell the synergids have a special cellular thickenings at the micropylar tip called the filiform apparatus which play an important role in guiding the pollen tubes into synergids three cells are at the chalazal end and are called the antipodals the large central cell as mentioned earlier has two polar nuclei thus a typical angiospermic embryo sac at maturity though eight nucleate is seven cell pollination in the preceding sections you have learned that the male and the female gametes in the flowering plants are produced in the pollen grain and the embryo sac respectively as both types of gametes are non-motile they have to be brought together for fertilization to occur how is this achieved pollination is a mechanism to achieve this objective transfer of pollen grains shed from the anther to the stigma of a pistil is termed pollination flowering plants have evolved an amazing array of adaptations to achieve pollination they make use of external agents to achieve pollination can you list the possible external agents the various kinds of pollination depending on the source of the pollen the pollination can be divided into three types autogamy in this type pollination is achieved within the same flower transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of the same flower in a normal flower which opens and exposes the anther and the stigma complete autogamy is rather very rare autogamy in such flowers requires synchrony of the pollen release and the stigma receptivity and also the anthers and the stigma should lie close to each other so that self pollination can occur some plants such as voila oxalis and camellia produce two types of flowers they are called chasmogamous flowers 
which are similar to the flowers of the other species which expose anthers and stigma and cleistogamous flowers which do not open at all in such flowers the anthers and the stigma lie close to each other when anthers dehes in the flower buds pollen grains come in contact with the stigma to effect pollination thus cleistogamous flowers are invariably autogamous as there is no chance of cross pollen landing on the stigma cleistogamous flowers produce a short seed set even in the absence of pollinators do you think that cleistogamy is advantages or disadvantages to the plant why geotonogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of another flower of the same plant although geotonogamy is functionally cross pollination involving a pollinating agent genetically it is similar to autogamy since the pollen grains come from the same plant xenogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of different plant this is the only type of pollination which during pollination brings genetically different types of pollen grains to the stigma